A poem is a small machine made of words. William Carlos Williams. Welcome to the Small Machine Talks, exploring the poetry scene of Central Canada and beyond with Amanda Earle and A.M. Kozak. Welcome to episode four of the Small Machine Talks. Our special guest today is Ronald Seater. Ronald works in Ottawa as a clinical psychologist. He lives as dad, husband, reader, writer, guitar builder, and tinkerer. His grandma thinks he is a good eater. Ronald's steampunk upcycle designs and some writing projects can be found at ronovation.ca, and we'll make sure to have that link up on, on the Angel House Press website. Ronald is also the recipient of the 2015 John Nula Poetry Award for his poem, The In Therapy, published in September 2014. About the poem, the judge Matthew Rader said, ameliorative, disassociative, and particular. This poem makes no, makes no sense, makes sense. It's all in your head. So that's the uh, that's the bio for for Ron. Hi, Ron. Thanks for coming. Hey, thanks for having me. Great. I think you might have. Uh, people might be wondering who else is here, though, Amanda. Oh well, I figured. <laughs> uh, well, I'm Amanda Earl. <laughs> I may am Koza. But in, in theory, we have a recording of something that will will actually start that right. off. But it probably oh, won't. that's true. Except it's not going to start off this time. It's going to probably right. start off later. So you are you are correct. That's fine. We can have live bloopers. That's fine. So uh, I guess what we'd like to do is uh, have uh, a little interview with Ron, just like we did with Chris Johnson in the second episode, and uh, maybe we might have a chance too to read some poems. So uh, well, we will have a chance. And uh, shall we start? Sure. Um, why don't I start with the first question, if that's okay with you, Ron? Perfect. Perfect. Uh, so our first question for you is, when did you start sharing your poetry publicly, and why? I think it was about 2003. The firm I was working with at the time, the uh, person there working is Heather McLeod, a local poet, and she had started taking a class, one of Rob McLennan's writing classes, and said, hey, I think you would like this. So we had discussed our love for English literature and all things poetic uh, prior. Mm -hmm. So I decided to take uh, the writing course. When it was still at, um, not Perfect Books, it was on... Collected Works. Collected, collected works. works, yeah. And I think, um, were you in that one with us? No, we met after at the infamous Carlton Town. Yeah, we all went after those workshops and I've, took, I've, take, I've taken lots of those workshops. We all, people tended to go up to the Carlton Tavern afterwards and sometimes even if you were no longer involved in the workshop or you weren't, you're just, pa say you were just a writer passing through, you'd stop by there and you know on a Wednesday night at about nine o'clock at night, Rob and his gang would be there. So yes, uh, up, uh, up in the Carlton Tavern. That's yeah. when I learned that the plurality of poets is called a pint. Right, yeah, a pitcher of poets. <laughs> yes, that's Rob. That's Rob McLennan's. Yeah. At least that's the only person I've heard say that. <laughs> and that would also be where we met, Ron, but not that year. That's right. And then we also talked about professional goals. And Aaron worked with me in my psychology practice, doing editing and psychometric testing, research, all that fun stuff. Yes, a man of many, many hats. Yes. And that, my hats. That, go, that goes into your poetry now, psychometric testing, I'm sure. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> should scores. have that in their poems, right? 
So, right. so Ron, you were saying that you you met someone and they said, "Oh, I you would be interested in this this run a workshop thing." What kind of uh, you were just kind of curious, wanted to show up, and then you you took it from there. Yeah, I. It felt um, right away. It felt validating and encouraging and inspiring and people would bring as you, you know the format of these things right people would bring poems i was a little intimidating at first it and, is it is <laughs> but um reading um the other people poems and also there's a suggested reading list that included some mm. of rob's works and um, pointed me to bywords then and then of course there's the monthly poem was on there um as well that i um then we started meeting a group of us the roland prevost and Dean Stedman, and I'm blanking on Rod Peterson. Was he in your group? That was a different one later. Okay, okay. Yeah, and I apologize for the. Did Heather? Was Heather part of that group? Yes, yes, as well. And I'm missing another man. And that became also encouraging and took more. um, And then just met more people on the local scene, from Carol Stevens to Pearl Peary. Um, Did you find that getting those introductions and meeting more people who were doing poetry was increasing your outputs as far as how much you were writing? Or was it just more of just like changing your perspective in other ways? Both, I think. It was encouraging to see um, real people that were actually um, accessible and approachable to talk to and not just some esoteric being that sits up in a tower and um, pours forth poetry, but and also, it, I keep coming back to Bob Dylan. I, I think it reminded me of his lyrics that I thought, wow, people can just write about everyday things in a, in yeah. a new and interesting way. And that was in, encouraging um, for me. One thing, uh, I, I don't know if Rob did that with you in the first workshop you took with him, but I can't remember if he did it with us in the first, but he had us do, at some point he had us each write a poetic statement, either about the particular work we were working on or a general one. Did you did you guys do that? No, I don't recall that. Oh, okay. Perhaps that happened after with our yeah. medicine. Yeah, I, I remember it being really helpful for me, not only because it helped me to um, figure out what I was, what I was doing, but also because... Uh, it really helped to be able to, even to learn how to write a grant application. I could use those right. statements for my grant application, so funding application. Yeah. The whole process was really interesting. Just to have a chance to think about your own work a little bit outside of the work itself. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, that was that was a good workshop, I think. Yes, yes. What what made you? I off book a little bit here, but uh, what made you decide to uh, go from the Rob's workshop to a to a like a, just a uh, I guess a, a f- workshop of, of people, like other people, like friends, I guess. Is, uh... Two reasons. One is we met more frequently oh, right. and met throughout the year. And also it was a smaller setting, so yeah. we could spend a little more time on each on each poem. And you kind of gravitate to people you want to learn from, right? Whereas I think both the strength and weakness of a general um, workshop is that there are people in there that maybe you don't find inspiring and some that you do yeah and yeah. you're exposed to different things which is good but and i think to nurture this um writing we need some like-minded people certainly challenging as yeah. well and like roland's famous for his challenging edits and that was good but at the same time it felt uh, encouraged to to write and i've left some poetry groups where i found that there wasn't enough 
um, positive, constructive, I don't feedback, but um, for them that, that worked for me. Yeah, I, I remember uh, an early workshop. I can't remember when it was. There was one workshop I took with Rob where some I was writing prose poems, and someone said to me, "Why don't you just make them into stanzas?" <laughs> like it was like it's 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 fine advice in a way, but they didn't even understand like why I was trying to write a, pro, a prose yeah. poem, and it made me think about it. So it wasn't bad, but it was just like it was like we were on different planets, like yeah, really yeah, were. I know what you mean? Yeah. 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 So that can be weird in a workshop, but uh, yeah, and it also though it's all fodder, right? It inspired one of the poems yeah. and. My latest chapbook, which is lines inspired by Whitman Revisited, right? Where I talk about the moody scalpels of other people in poetry. And <laughs> sometimes they're cutting your work because they want to. They feel like it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's funny. All right, I guess we're on to question two now. What relationship does your work as a psychologist have with your poetry, if any at all? Well, I generally like to reject the idea that we are our occupation. Mm -hmm. right? and rather than saying I am a psychologist, I like to say I work as one or yeah. as a teacher or whatever. However, largely speaking, I believe we are what we do. And one of my mottos, poetic or otherwise, is reducing the gap between who I am and what I do. That's a lifelong goal. So. And the question is, I guess, what is the relationship between yeah. that and I guess we'd have to dive into <laughs> why I became a psychologist to fully answer that. In brief, I wanted empathy, wanted understanding and guidance, validation, and you've, you gravitate to these fields where you feel you can do that and give that to somebody else and recognize the value in that, mm -hmm. coupled with the fact that I've always been one of those annoying students for teachers and wanting to know why, what underlines things. Um, I wasn't very satisfied with just memorizing formulas yeah. you know, for math, for instance, um, from there. Um, so I'm, I'm always wanting to know. If, in psychology, we talk about things like negative self-talk, and I'm much more interested in finding out where does that come from rather than just trying to correct thinking so an odd source of inspiration for that was um perhaps is are you familiar with louise penny she's a yeah, yeah canadian yeah. Uh, mystery mystery writer, writer yeah, yeah. Her, her her novels are set in quebec usually yeah, yeah. yeah. i've read i've read two of those yeah i like yeah. them i was reading and um one of the characters is an artist who writes uh paints abstract painting and what he does is he magnifies an object 10 or 100 where it becomes meaningless in terms of the actual form right because he's magnified so much and but he wants to see what's underneath it and i thought that that was my aha mm. so that's what i'm trying to do in work and in writing is to see what's underneath yeah, that sounds good. Do you see it in sort of a, a therapeutic type of way? Because I know a lot of people associate writing with therapy. And coming from, I'm not, a, I'm not in psychology anymore, but I'm in social work. And there's a lot of similarities. And so it's oftentimes when people hear that I, I write, they think that those two things are just almost one and the same. I'm writing for therapy or I would be good at instructing other people to write for therapy. And for me, it's always been almost like a separate, I know you put you put yourself into both of them, but it's 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 kind of a separate pursuit for me. Do you find that it's they're more overlap it's more overlapping for you because you have a lot of um, 
poems that you, I would I would think are more witty or just are kind of brainy in some ways, and not necessarily I wouldn't see as the typical type of therapy poems. So do you see it as um, a huge overlap between the therapeutic type of writing in your in your in your poetry, or do you do you see them as more disparate? Both, I, I suppose that I certainly see a a big wall, perhaps Trump-like wall, between <laughs> the um, therapy poems per se that I write that are not for public consumption and right. have titles, subtle titles such as "Oh Mum, Where Were You," versus <laughs> um, my other writing that is for public consumption, and and certainly um, you know I am in both, and I find the overlap perhaps best captured by it's all therapeutic for me to write it right. feels necessary to write and and healing um, to write but there's a big distinction on like from my own therapist if I have a a um, homework or something to write or I'm working through some issues that I find that poetry is a, a nice machine to work on yeah. that but that's not for anyone else to read other than my therapist right. yeah when so, I when I was trying when I was uh, I had a I always talk about my my health crisis in 2009 and when I was recovering I was trying to write poems and it just didn't work for me to try and write mm -hmm. poems because the everything had to be exactly as it happened right and with poems you can kind of play a little bit with that you want it to be the strongest poem you don't necessarily want to re represent all the facts right. so what I ended up doing was I, I had a I had a recovery blog and I wrote everything there and people mm -hmm. people read it and, and that helped me and then I, I was able to move on to poems later but uh, it was therapeutic but I, I couldn't do the poems right away I couldn't because I felt like I was lying <laughs> I think that is right. is the crux of, of, of what the difficulty that I have with um, mm -hmm. ther therapy writing versus um, other other forms of writing because say I'm leading a workshop or involved in a writing circle I'm looking at the poem and I'm wanting yeah. and I'm seeing the poem as it is and sometimes if someone's writing as a more therapeutic and or emotionally based way they don't want you messing with no, the no. meaning of the and, and I the facts that. are essential. Like exactly. the facts are essential. It, it's important that you say it happened at twelve twenty four on Wednesday, October the fifteenth. Like it, that's essential. Yeah, and, and that's a totally legitimate yeah. way of writing. Yeah, but uh, usually when I'm in a in a workshop setting, it I'm not approaching not, it that way. Exactly. I'm approaching it as this is the poem on the page and this yeah. is what it is, and it's yeah. separate from from the author. So it's 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 hard for me to kind of put on my um, validator, social worker, cap, and working with someone in a poem, and then yeah. separate the, the the critic. That's I guess. It. it. How how can the poem be? How can the poem be as effective as possible? Still to render the feeling or the emotion or the 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 mood or the tone or the sense of what the person is writing, but not necessarily have to, for instance, name say someone's accuser in a poem. Or mm -hmm. you know, I mean, there's all right. kinds of issues with with regard to. Um, say, writing poems for therapy that you wouldn't necessarily, you know, do if you were trying to get a work published or, but, uh, yeah, an interesting, that's an interesting topic. And yeah. too, it speaks to the goal of each poem. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. exactly. I write a lot of limericks I don't share with <laughs> <laughs> usually in the bathtub, so, you know, no one's, no one's reading those, including me. Right. That's uh, um, question three. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Back to the questions. Can you describe the process of working with Bywords editors on your Recent. recently released chapbook, Dream Punk? 
And notice that one of the editors is here. So yes. Be, so, yep. be gentle. The star, <laughs> the star editor is Amanda. No, no. Um, Andrew Lefesh said something interesting at the last awards when he went up and he uh, recognized that you, uh, it was yourself that left him a message about the new John Love Award. And he said <laughs> his reaction was, oh, no, they found me out. They found out I'm not a real writer and poet. And and I think that touched all of us in this yeah, even us, me. Like, <laughs> poser syndrome. So there is some trepidation that I would be found out. It quickly went away when it was very encouraging, inspiring. The feedback was presented in a way that was quite palatable and made me want to dig in deeper and to identify the telos of, of each. Um, that was a pretentious way to say goal. <laughs> was it? Okay, yeah, good. Yeah. I was going to go get the dictionary. <laughs> the, um, of each poem and to find out what exactly I was trying to convey. And it was also quickly noted it was okay to disagree with the editors if I was trying oh, to yeah, do something yeah. um, that if some found poetry, for instance, the personal meaning for putting in there, that that was all right. But it was all right also to clarify and to respond to the question. So I, yeah. I, honestly, it was um, fantastic. And I'm writing more than ever. Oh, good. Um, you know, I thought maybe I might feel drained after that whole process. And um, uh, it's sort of like the conundrum or the, you know, the illogic it would seem of ex physical exercise gives you more energy i think the more mm -hmm. i was writing the more i want to write mm -hmm. yeah that that makes sense it's it w what the process is is uh it basically the uh the the winner of the award gives uh submits a manuscript by the end of january we put it online in a pr sort of private area and then the editors of a selection committee from Bywords, anyone who wants to be part of the editing team can be part of the team, can offer comments. I always tell the, the poet, uh, take what inspires, leave the rest. Like, you know, you can use it in any way you want, um, including writing new poems. And, and then there's a second draft period. And so I think this time we had, some people are more active than others. Some people will just offer like a little bit, like maybe one or two comments on the poems. And then some people will offer a lot of uh, a lot of comments, so it just depends. But we had about about four, maybe about five or six people in total, I think, mm -hmm. who were involved in one way or another. And and uh, and then there's a second draft, and then and then we have a final. So it takes the whole process, like from it's from end of January until the launch at the Ottawa International Writers Festival in in October. So it's it's not a quite quite a full year, but it's a year from when you find out that you've won the award to having your chapbook launched yes. and then you read at the next one. So it's 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 a really fun it's a fun process and and uh, I it was really great working with uh, Ron. He was we could we could meet. He uh, we had lunch and uh, we talked yes. about the poem. So that was nice. It was nice to have someone who is in town. We don't I don't always get that. Uh, poetry over dim sum. Yes. That is great. And then we closed the restaurant down. Apparently, <laughs> what happened? Oh, we ordered too much. That's it. Yeah, that's good. So let's see. Okay, so another question here. Your poems often contain humor. Uh, does this come from your current and or initial poetic influences, or just from your natural tone? I think both. I mean, in high school, we had fun quoting Ogden Nash that, yeah. poems, you know, like candy is dandy, but liquor's quicker, yeah. and things like that. And um, But mostly, if I were to distill it, humor for me is a coping mechanism, which isn't that shocking, really. And I was quite um, diminutive growing up and always first on picture days, like to say, and you learned, and I went to some rather rough schools in northern Alberta. Mm. So you learned to talk quickly 
and disarm situations and humor is a great disarming. Yeah. Had to learn not to make fun of the bully themselves, but good, good idea. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or at least not in the way that um, he or she would understand. Yeah, <laughs> until I got away, um, the penny dropped as they were as that you had already yeah. managed to get on the bus, and they're like, "Yeah, damn." I just, I I gravitate to uh, delight in anything absurd. My if I had to pick one motto for myself, it's throw the sardonic at the absurd to survive. Mm -hmm. Actually, thanks to Google Translate, I had that put in a mug on Latin. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. That's great. <laughs> That's funny. I, I, and I'm a fan of whimsy too. So when you and I, well, we have, we have, I think we could write a bunch of scripts for like uh, movies or like really strange plays or Absolutely. something. Absolutely. Because we have such as, we have both have kind of a twisted sense of humor. I don't know. Do you have any um, major poetic influences, either current or growing up in your poetry life? Well, I mean, the usual suspects here in town, um, the great poems, poets of A.M. Kozak and, of course, Amanda Earth, <laughs> very and um, the people I, I, all that I met through those, Rob, um, uh, or the peripheral activities from the workshops, you know, Stephen Brockwell, Sandra Ridley, and others, and Roland, as I mentioned. There's such a thriving community that they, um, it's just fun to be at and, and be a part of. The uh, There's no way of doing this without sounding pretentious, but even in high school, I liked Shakespeare and thought, you know, when people complain, what's the big deal? I get to read for homework, you know, mm -hmm. and, <laughs> and uh, the way the words could even from rhyme to just how they would he would could capture things together and or write to Emily Dickinson you know I was I've been reading poetry forever and there's a picture of me reading um, hope is a thing with feathers to my um, now 11 year old but she was about an hour old and <laughs> I'm reading um, uh, to her over her little bassinet with her wearing a hat. they come with hats Babies. No babies. babies. Oh, babies! Right away, okay. I don't know where it came from. But it was, all of a sudden, she had a hat on and, and um, reading poetry and and through different stressful periods of my life in the last you know ten years, I would usually go back to some of those standards as well and, mm -hmm. and some of the classics and and um, revisit them from, and get different things from them. But probably, to be honest, the strongest lyrical push would be for music and you know from. Mm. From, um, I'm a wannabe guitar dabbler, and you know, want, um, the simplicity of, and genuineness of you know Dylan's, and I know that's a big debate now with the Nobel yeah. Prize, which I'm hoping to have a debate for myself one day. <laughs> the the um, uh, you're looking blank that I would win the award. Yes, the <laughs> no, I know, that's just Abraham that's just my, Lincoln. That's just Abraham. my face. <laughs> <laughs> people, several people have asked you what I thought about that uh, Bob Dylan winning, and uh, I, I don't know if I have a, a good answer. I think it's fine. <laughs> yeah. I At first I was confused. Art. I kept going back, because it was early in the morning. I'm like, huh? What what, ha what happened? Music? Yeah. It's the 21st century. Trump is running for president, and Dylan just won the 
Nobel Prize for Literature. But but then I, I thought about it some more, and I actually listened to a great... Um, David McGimsey was on um, CBC Montreal uh, that day talking about... Uh, they had him talk about the whole thing, and they, it was a call-in show, and they had people calling. Mm -hmm. it. it was really interesting, and, and I liked what he said. Like He teaches lyrics like Leonard Cohen's lyrics in school, and, and mm -hmm. Leonard Cohen's a poet anyway, too. But uh, I And I like the idea people were saying, which made me feel... Uh, a little less curmudgeonly about the thing that, that um, you know, the it's not the medium, right? That poetry can be in a lot of different mediums. It can be in film, it can be in all kinds of things. So it opens up the genre to right. a lot of possibilities, like the idea that maybe maybe even a spoken word, you know, a poet could win yep. a prize. Like, why, why does it have to be always just the printed word, you know? So I thought that was great, actually. I like that. So. I think some people were upset because they don't, cons they associate Bob Dylan more with music and they may feel that... Uh, poets who are associated uh, mostly with poetry are kind of getting left out and overshadowed by musician. But I think they've had their day. <laughs> it's generated and uh, so much discussion though, and like you yeah. said, it, it kind of opens up the boundaries of what is considered poetry. So in that sense, I think it's I think it's great. I don't know if I have studied Bob Dylan's lyrics enough to be able to comment on. Do I think this is like the best poetry of that um, year? Of that, I don't know. Like, is it supposed to be of his whole lifetime? I, I can't mm -hmm. remember what it is. It's not like a is book. It? I yeah. think it's something like that. I think it's At like least, a, I think they judge it on the whole. Yeah. Ooh. That's it. So, you know. I mean, I, I first, when I was a, a little kid, I heard the song Lay, Lady, Lay, and I said, I do not like this man. <laughs> but I was like seven or something, and then I got over it, and, and I, I mean, I became a real fan of his music, and especially the weirder lyrics. And I actually knew someone who actually put one of his songs for interpretation on a, on a, on a literary exam, like an early, like a oh, beginner yeah. sort of literary exam. I think, I think you can play, you can, the lyrics, I think, are, are, uh, do make for interesting poetry. Well, when, when, when I like as a stamp, as a value stamped on it is the timeliness. Like, yeah. you listen to Masters of War, and now it seems even more applicable yeah, it than definitely in the does. late 60s. When, it is timeless. Yes. And, or blowing in the wind, or, or even some personal events in my life. Like, I mean, anyone could write about a past relationship that, you know, you just kind of wasted my precious time. That's it. <laughs> it's brilliant. <laughs> just that understatement. I'm um, going forward. In, in all writing, right, where you're not being shrill, mm -hmm. but you're in full. And I, I heard this interesting anecdote from Louis Armstrong when he's singing. He doesn't want to be overly, I guess, pathetic and, and overly emotional. Mm -hmm. And so he pictures a cup of black coffee and that he <laughs> just to the top but not too full and overflowing. But that's what he keeps in mind and that's oh. what he wants his voice to convey. That's beautiful. That's yeah. great. That's actually a great visualization. I remember I was I was wanting to break up with a longtime lover, and I used to play on my guitar, not greatly, but and sing "Don't Think Twice, It's All Right." Yes, <laughs> I'll be gone. You know, you're the reason I'm traveling on. No, don't think twice, it's all right. Twice. You know, that's a, you know. So yeah, there's a lot of Bob Dylan uh, lyrics that that come in, into my mind at various times, even though I'm terrible at rem memorizing anything. But I've just heard them so much that. Uh, yeah, and the more that we have lately have talked about uh, what brings poets into poetry, the more people have been mentioning music yeah. as well, which is yeah. interesting. And for myself included, that's that's kind of what got yeah. me into poetry. So, I think that in a lot of ways, it's it's uh, nice. It's it's, it's a gateway drug. <laughs> music <laughs> music is a gateway drug for poetry. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we should put warning labels well it definitely should be i think that's a good idea i like the idea of warning labels right, let's move on to our last question right. for ron um, 
Oh, why don't you ask this one? Me? Okay. Yeah. Oh, so I have, I've actually seen evidence of this. You make stuff such as lamps out of pipes. Do you see any relationship between the making of physical things and the making of your poetry? Yes. I suppose you probably want Thanks, a bit more Ron. elaboration. <laughs> <of that. laughs> um, well, the whole creative process and in, in having an idea and then having it appear um, before you, whether it's printed or um, physical manifestation, is just the the fun and the, the creation itself. And I'd be in my workshop finding myself just grinning. You know, if I was on a the proverbial joke, if I was on a motorbike, I'd have a bug full of teeth because I'm just um, smiling <laughs> while I'm putting together a lamp, let's say, or a little robot figure or, or a shelf that I'm making or whatever, a box for my daughter. And the, the same thing with poems, it's, it's um, and I, I was, as we discussed before the podcast where I've been writing actually more in my workshop and so kind of the overlap becomes even more seamless. I keep mm-hmm. pads of paper around so that when I'm working on a, on a lamp that I can actually start writing down thoughts that come to my, to my mind about um, whatever it is that I'm doing right then or want to convey and often will stop what I'm doing and write some more. I also do a lot of writing in coffee shops, uh, a lot of Hemingway, so it yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. can't build stuff there. But uh, <laughs> you can uh, try. Yeah, depends on the coffee shop. And I, I guess you can it, do anything in a bridgehead. You know, yeah, I, I really true, believe. True, I could bring pipes and start Lego too. You could. But I think too the the upcycle stuff. Like four of our dresses in our home, I got from curbs because I just I don't like stuff seeing going to waste. And grew mm-hmm. up in a Scottish farm pioneer home, so there is that aspect and. Um, the upcycle thing, taking things that aren't normally, like I took a, a valve from our lake to made it into a, a lamp. And I, I see that is in poetry too, taking phrases or ideas or words that don't normally go together or mm-hmm. wouldn't think and, and, and bridging that. And, and is it always pipes that you work with or do you work with other, other things as well? No, I do a lot of woodworking okay. and um, electrical um, things with copper shelves. Um, kind of whatever I'm, I tend to, with my ADD, work on one thing for a while and then move to, get bored and move to something else. For a while I was on a kick of making lamps, not out of heights, but out of bottles. So mm. old beer bottles or scotch bottles or whatever. Whatever was lying around handy. Yeah, exactly. Empty so, for some reason. <laughs> and where you have to empty them, which is, You're right. which is a pain. <laughs> it's part of the art. Yes. That's good. Um, we talked a bit about therapy earlier creating through therapy and I find that whenever I'm creating something without words I find that in a lot of ways more therapeutic because Mm -hmm. I find sometimes um, I get bogged down with words and there's just words are like almost attacking me you know like there's just so many words going on and that when I can be playing music or make something although I don't really make a lot of things I'm not I don't have that skill but when I can put my creative energy into something yeah. that is separate from words i feel that is liberating like you said you smile the whole time i get that yeah. i get that same feeling where i'm just grinning the whole time when i'm able to be creative and also escape with these yeah that's a good point and i talk in therapy in my client particularly if they have a trauma history about bypassing that verbal you know, linear mm-hmm. thinking and it's yeah. and um to tap into more what technically we call amygdaloid processing, right? Where it's not, memory isn't encoded with words. So discussing something in words doesn't usually capture it because mm-hmm. it's not it, yeah. in there. So listening to music and doing things with your hands, um, 
or just being with other people. That's why mm-hmm. these things are healing. Or even just like for me, like I, I do some, I, I used to do some uh, pottery and that was very, that was, yeah. that was, and also I, th- I sometimes make collages or throw paint around and stuff, but just even something like just going for a walk sometime. Right. My, my, what I like about something like painting is it's a physical act and mm-hmm. it, 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 because I'm constantly thinking all the time and I'm always yep. jabbering at myself. Like there's a right. noise going on. It takes away the noise like that mm-hmm. d- d- and does things it? like that mm-hmm. really do. do. Yeah. Other things will, but, you know, maybe the show is PG, so we'll just keep that up. I don't know. <laughs> I was knows? thinking that, too. Yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> we hang around with each other long enough. We start right. thinking alike. That's it, yeah. So, uh, and you, uh, we're going to maybe have you uh, read a, a poem? Oh, yeah. If you'd like to do that. Yeah, before we take a take a break, yes. we go into segment uh, two of the, of the show. Yeah. There's a couple of things I'm working on. I'm going to be... I'm not giving away too much. I'm submitting to uh, Ottawater. Here it goes. This one is called Mary's Custody Agreement. <laughs> Teenage pregnancy, angelic paternity test, King's assassin attempt, temple know-it-all. Nothing much for 30 years, presumably birthdays and some sort of Mother's Day stuff. Then three years of revolution, then live with your dad forever. You abandoned your mom. Hmm. This one is called Write the Look Every Day. Though I'm not convinced I'm going to keep that title. But write the Look Every Day. Yeah. I had sort of an Elvis Costello thing in mind. But I was, yeah. <laughs> every day I write the book? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> write the Look Every Day or confront questions. Should I have gay fantasies? Put cuffs over my laces a dad. Can I be angry as a white male fish with puerile hips and gravity-filled asses? Nights, lesser than moaning, tossed fits, overthrown tables do not litter my temples, chased by gawping lenders. Just sad Mary offering a breast of hope if she could get off icon duty one evening. A lot of playful language in that one. Yeah, great stuff. And uh, you can, uh, if you would like to purchase Ron's chapbook, from, you can go to bywords.ca to the store where you will find Dream Punk for a very low price of $6. I will have the link up on the site. Yeah, I think two more books sold, I can retire. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. The whole $12 <laughs> would be good. Thank you very much, Ron. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Yep, break time. Our next segment, we will talk about some of the interesting poetry happenings, news that has happened. The first uh, thing is that uh, Pearl Peary has won the Archibald Lampman mm-hmm. Award for Poetry, put together by Arc Poetry Magazine, for her book, uh, The Pet Radish Shrunken, from Book Thug, that came out in 2015. So congratulations to Pearl. Speaking of awards, we have more awards to talk about. Stephen Hyten won the Governor General Literary mm-hmm. Award for Poetry for The Waking Comes Late. Uh, so that's great. And uh, BP Nickel Chapbook Award, which a shortlist, which is very interesting. It features three Apartment 9 titles. Uh, Apartment 9 Press is a, is an Ottawa publisher, a small press uh, run by uh, 
Cameron Anstey. So it's the titles by Marilyn Irwin, Nelson Ball, and Lillian Nekakov. And Marilyn is here in Ottawa for, I believe the chapel of hers is called The Blue There. I maybe get it, The Blue Blue There, maybe. I might, She can correct me yeah. later on. But it's a great chapel. I love it. I love all three of those, actually. Also, Nomado's Press out in uh, BC, Christine Stewart, who has read here in Ottawa as part of the Postmodernism Conference in 2008, I remember, and Rob McLennan's published her with Above Ground Press. And, 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 in, and Struther Press, uh, run by Jim Johnstone in Toronto, Clara Duplessis uh, for her chapbook, Wax Lyrical. So those three are up for the BP Nickel Award, and that will be announced on November 19th at the uh, Toronto's Meet the Presses. Mm. Another interesting news item is uh, Toronto has a new poetry bookshop called Knife Fork Book, which is just a great... Yeah, it's a good title. And it's opened by Jeff Kirby inside a, a cafe called Rick's Cafe in Kensington Market. Oh, like mm-hmm. Kensington Market. I yeah. love that area. So, yeah, that's a fun area. I want. I would like Spark Street to become like a Kensington yeah. Market instead of a rib and poutine and bad beer place. And that ghost it is town. Now. Ghost the town. the tourists aren't around. Exactly. So, uh, anyway, that, that's, that sounds like a really good idea. I was thinking that we should have bookstores opening in cafes we have a cafe inside of a bookstore the black squirrel books mm-hmm. but i think a bookstore inside of, inside of a cafe has a good um it's a good idea i have a link to uh, an interview with um kate sutherland uh with him and about the poetry bookshop as well in other news <laughs> the annual quill account Quilla is the Canadian Women in the Literary Arts, revealed that reviews are getting closer to gender parity in Canada, for at least for the English side. For the French side, it's still a higher percentage of, of male uh, writers being reviewed. Mm. Uh, so that's interesting. And just a little note about Quilla, uh, stands for Canadian Women in the Literary Arts, is an inclusive national literary organization for people who share feminist values and see the importance of strong and active female perspectives and presences within the Canadian literary landscape. And there's an American association called Vida that started before that, so it kind of modeled after that. But uh, none of the, um, the the literary outlets counted by Vida are Canadian, so I'll put up the link to that as well. There's also a great essay called When Women Count by Evelyne Ledoux-Bourgrand, translated by Bronwyn Haslam, that I highly recommend as well for that one. Uh, okay. And also another part of that is they have a critic in residence every year, and this one this year is Adele Barclay, who we've talked about before. And I think we'll be talking about in another section coming up. That's right. As well, anything else on on, on current news? There's any other? I am newsless. Newsless. That was all the news that's fit to talk about. So our, our, uh, this section is called Current Reads, and the first uh, first book I want to talk about is by Sandra Ridley. It's called Sylvia. It uh, just came out with Book Thug, and she read it. I would just mention it. And I, I understand, Ron, you also read? You also? Uh, yeah, it's just fantastic, the imagery. And when I talked to her after, because I got her to sign the book, which I was saying makes me immortal, <laughs> that there's so much raw um, emotion and genuine feeling, yet... Um, finely tuned and polished and I don't often see that combination no it's amazing and, and basically the book is a series of ele- long poems that are elegies and 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 there's some really tough material in there mm-hmm. too so I mean I again I had tears in my eyes like I feel like a sap but I keep crying the design too is really gorgeous the book um the cover was actually um was actually uh from a painting by um Eric Slankis so that's uh, it's really quite beautiful it's the book what? is and she's gorgeous. experimenting with some form as well. With the the first part of the book is on she's a lot of forward slashes, almost mm-hmm. like a um, 
legal documents like there was this if that was her intent but there's um just breaking it up into these bites yeah i think that that's actually an important point it's something i've seen i've seen sandra do before in her writing we did a collaborative uh, long poem together or poem series together called eve a mere roar a number of years ago that we playing around with things like that as well. Well, she's been doing it for a long time, too, mm -hmm. in her work. Yeah, it's a really, it's a powerful book. I highly recommend it. What about you, Aaron? Any, any... Uh... Um, the poetry that I've been reading lately is um, the 2014 winner of the GG, Arlene Perre. Right. I forget the name of the book, but there, I haven't read the whole thing, it was, but I've It had been... the word lake in it or something like that? I don't know, but I don't remember. Mountain? I'm sorry. Something natural, maybe. But yeah. anyways, I <laughs> she read at Verse Fest. Uh, the, the the first poem is yeah. very like uh, it's pretty wow. So I would uh, I would recommend um, and of course it won the GG. So I'd recommend that book. Um, I read. <laughs> <laughs> I have not read Ron's book yet. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. I read I do read a lot and have been reading a lot, but just not uh, poetry. And I will not bore you about my readings on. Um, my policy analysis of, of, of housing legislation. So, <laughs> unless you're going to make some kind of found poem, yeah. other, you could I probably do that. You, I, know? you could, but I don't know if it would be it would be palatable. Soporific. A drinking game every time a certain word was made. That's what I do with yeah. postmodernism. <laughs> yeah, neoliberalism. <laughs> Gentrification. For me, in, in postmodernism, it's hegemony. Every time I hear that word, right. I, I drink a large glass of scotch. <laughs> very drunk. I also, I've been, I started Adrian Rich's Collected Works. It's a huge tome that goes from 1950s to 2012. Wow. And, and, and her, uh, the early poems, a lot of them are rhyming poems, which surprised me a little bit. Um, but again, it, partly of that was the era. She writes uh, really pure and wonderful poems and I feel like she's my mentor now so mm. I, I have I'm not going to start writing rhyming poems but there's a lot of work that I've read of hers that is really meaningful also I have I have a subscription to Filling Station which is um, a Calgary magazine calls itself yeah. Canada's experimental literary magazine That's so a cool magazine it is a, it is a cool I've, I've been published in it a few times myself it was created in um, Calgary in 1993 by a group of U of Calgary students who wanted a, a magazine independent from the university and separate from Dandelion and with more freedom about what and whom they could publish. Mm -hmm. They are also 100%, like Bywords, they're 100% volunteer run, which I think is really great. I have, for the issue, I have some dog ears. One of them is Margot Lapierre, because one of the reasons is we've we've published her uh, just recently in Bywords. She used to live in Ottawa and read at the Tree Reading uh, Series uh, um, sometimes. Uh, so her, her poem, Bearskin Rug, is, is quite fun and interesting to read. Another dog ear I, had is, I have is Ali Zanady. He's a... He's a a poem, a poet from uh, Tunisia, and actually he's going to be published in an upcoming um, Angel House Press thing that I mm. do, Experiment O. So he has a great poem called Sorry Grass, which I, I really found interesting, kind of a combination of um, sort of, um, like he says, the grass is copyrighted by the well-nourished soil. Like it's a really interesting perspective. Yeah. And then there's a... Um, Razikra Revulva, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, the, the subterranean avian. What, what particularly interesting me about this, this is it started out as a series of paragraphs and then changed into really space, uh, 
like a poem with a lot of sp just a right. few Very words sparse on words, sparse yeah. words. So yeah. Also, I really like the uh, art and the nonfiction yeah. section, especially. I haven't. I'm still going through it. I'm currently reading it. So it's it's an interesting it's an interesting magazine. It has been for a long time, and uh, so I'm glad to see it's still thriving. Also, I I've been reading the um I re I get a subscription to Above Ground Press, and as part of that subscription, I get a magazine called Touch the Donkey, which I always enjoy. I, full disclosure, I was in I was in issue ten. This is issue eleven, and it's um it's uh, I have a few dog ears here. Juana uh, Avasilis Shoy, I I don't know if I'm pronouncing your last name right. Uh, Tracking D's animal, a survival. She just she kind of combines uh, her sort of. Uh, she writes a lot about that that makes you feel like she's very present in in the, the very they're very work like I just read the beginning of this tracking and being after sores, not the solipsistic solitary question appealing to my animal, and if an animal I press against animal, I repress animal, evoke animate consume like there's a lot of i don't know it's just very unusual like um and I find "Touch the Donkey" is 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 really neat in the sense too that it um, that uh, there's not a lot of like there's a lot of experimental play that is non-narrative or or mm -hmm. pushing against narrative or trying to figure out a way around narrative. Um, Kemeny Babineau has a has a long poem called "The Log of Wonorata" uh, that's uh, quite interesting. And, and we, I, um, Angel House Press published a chapbook of Kemeny's uh, recently called "House of Many Words." So those are some of the things. Uh, there's also some online content. Um, Rob McLennan always has uh, interviews with contributors, which feature seven questions about the poems and the issue, which is a fun thing as well. So those are the things that I've I've read. Are any other any other readings we've been? Well, I picked up Stephen Brockwell's new. Uh, latest collection, All of Us Reticent Here Together. I just That's a great title. Through a, yes, it's an awesome title. I haven't uh, read it in any detail yet, but I'm looking forward to that. And it's a Mansfield Press book. I think it's a Stuart Ross imprint, so uh, I believe. I think so. <laughs> also, I plan to pick up um, Stuart Ross's new one, uh, Sparrow Came Down Resplendent. Yeah. He read a lot from that at the Poetry Cabaret, and um, I love his sardonic humor yeah at his at his uh, launch in toronto what he did was he stood in front of his own reading i guess i guess in front of the event with a sign protesting the uh Selling the sell out sell, the sellout poet <laughs> who was about to read which was him so he plays with that kind of absurd uh almost makes me think of ionesco or some kind of theater of the absurd that's fun and i like the title of that book i think it's 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 a fun uh, and he was fun at the poetry cabaret as well so that's mm -hmm. that's it for me with with current reads Stay tuned for part two of episode four of The Small Machine Talks. <laughs>